Good morning, my friends, and welcome to Light of Christ Ministry. Church, our sharing today is going to be Life with Jesus. You know what? We can live life with Jesus or life without Jesus. But trust me, life with Jesus is way more better. (laughs) And you can say, well, Peg, that doesn't sound very holy, very religious. And yet that's exactly what holiness, not religion, but what holiness looks like. Love, joy, and peace through believing in Jesus and his presence in our life. You know what that does? It brings a smile to your lips, a spring to your step. And just a much better attitude about everything you approach during the day. Jesus is real. You know, lots of folks say they know God. And the thing is, there are thousands of gods and goddesses out there. (laughs) Ah, There's the rub. You know, in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, your God could be a light bulb, a tree, a pot for a plant. (laughs) So every day, for me, it becomes more important to me to know that folks believe in my Jesus and His Heavenly Father, God. We just celebrated Thanksgiving, and what I'm most thankful for in this life is my life with Jesus. I spend a good deal of my early life without Him. And you know what? I was miserable. (laughs) I have spent the last 48 years with him, and I wake up every day with a song in my heart, a joy in my soul, all because I know Jesus is in me and with me every single day. You know, at 71, I'm still trying to figure out why people can't understand that our God is happy and joyful and fun-loving and patient He's not some gray beard sitting on a throne throwing lightning bolts at mankind. And you know what? Jesus is a chip off the old block. He's just like his daddy. Thoughtful, loving, kind. And then the Lord said to me, Peg, it's man's misconceptions. They get dark misconceptions and they pass it on to the next generation. And he brought to my mind, mm, I guess I was about 28, 29, and I was living in D.C., and I went downtown to a church called the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. Wow, (laughs) that's a mouthful. And I walked in the church. I love ancient architecture, especially Gothic. And I walked through the front doors, and this place was huge. It was a basilica. That's like bigger than a church. That's like a big daddy church. And there was this fresco on the back wall, this this curved wall, that scared the dickens out of me. And (laughs) it was the focal point of the whole church. It was a big 25-foot mural of Jesus looking furious. (laughs) You know, I love those stained glass windows of the Good Shepherd or the paintings of the Good Shepherd, but this was not the Good Shepherd. This visage was madder than an old wet hen. I mean, literally painted with lightning bolts and fire coming out of his head. He was definitely mad in this painting. (laughs) Somebody was really angry when they painted this. 
and it looked like somebody that just wanted to judge and send to hell all of mankind. And I thought to myself, self, (laughs) why would anyone want to follow a savior like that? And then I clicked to another channel and thought, what would it feel like to be sitting in this vestry here looking at that while you're listening to some sermon? Here's this hateful image staring down on you like it wants to take you behind the barn and whip you with a razor strap. Look, folks, my Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, he is loving. He is all love. He is kind. He is full of mercy. And I say is because he's living. Remember, he got up from the dead. And he really, really is the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for his sheep, for you and I. And one great thing about these shepherds in the East, they all they knew every sheep by name. If they had a hundred sheep, they, they had a name for every one of them. He causes my dog Izzy to leap for joy. <laughs> I believe that's the spirit of the Lord running through my dog. <laughs> so for me, living with Jesus is the most joyful state of mind that anybody on this entire earth will ever enjoy. I, I like to call it skydiving for the soul. It's, it's exciting. It's joyful. It's, it, it's never boring. You never know what new adventure Jesus is going to take you on. And it's just like I hop in a plane, so to speak. I buckle on my parachute of faith. And I say, well, Lord, what are we doing today? And I take that leap wherever he wants to lead me. And it is one giant adventure. Cowabunga! Like I said, I call it skydiving for the soul because nothing really is more exciting than following Christ and living by the Spirit. And I just wake up in the morning, I say to the Lord, Jesus, here you go. I'm yours. What are we up to today? And then I just buckle in for the ultimate adventure, which is always cool with Jesus. You know, Excuse me. So many people today, even Christians, you know, they have this attitude that I called for years the burdened Christian. You know, you go to talk to them, it's like, oh, my bursitis, it sure hurts today, or I don't think much good's going to happen to me. Our Lord of mercy, life is so hard, honey child. And I'm thinking, goodness gracious, do you know my Jesus? <laughs> I not only think, who'd want to go to church with you? Who'd even want to be around you? Maybe these are those same folks that go sit in front of that angry Jesus (laughs) every Sunday, but not me, friend. (laughs) No, no, no. Jesus tells us, let your light so shine that your, your works glorify God in heaven. He just wants to attract folks to God like moths to a flame, like flies to honey. And life is so full when you shine for Jesus. I tell you what, most every day I go around this house, whether I'm around people or not around people, I go around whistling a tune, singing a song. I have joy in my heart. I'm feeling like I own this side of the street, and I'm thinking about buying the other side. (laughs) I'm feeling like anything is possible with Jesus. It just puts a spring in my step. It makes me so happy. And that's why I like to think about Jesus a lot. When I wake up, 
all through the day, when I'm eating supper, lunch, when I go to sleep, in my dreams. (laughs) You know, I think about King David. He said it like this. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. That's Acts 2.25. But David just went around constantly focused on heavenly things. I believe that's why he was a man after God's own heart. You know, he played the harp. He sang. All those psalms, they were songs that God, that God inspired David to write, to sing to him that just melted God's heart. What a guy. And I was thinking about life with Jesus, and, and I was thinking about Wingman. I just was watching the Tom Cruise film a few months ago, Maverick. You know, and you got to have a good wingman. And when you have that good wingman, you feel more safe, more secure, and life is super swell, especially when Jesus is your wingman. He's the one that keeps the bandits off you. You know, he said this in Hebrews, I don't know, 12 or 13. He said, I'll never leave you. No, never, never, never forsake you. How awesome is that? Man, oh man, if we could really get into that habit of sensing Jesus in our presence, of knowing and feeling, feeling his presence. Because when, when you feel his presence, you know what? You're not anxious. You're not shaky. You've got peace. You've got confidence. You're trusting that if you don't have the answers, they're going to come bubbling up inside of you. He's going to give you the words to speak. And we approach everything in life with so much more joy and confidence. I know that when I was a kid in Catholic school, they would tell us to scoot over in our desk and make room for our guardian angel. But I can remember even as a kid, I would scoot over in my desk and I'd make room for Jesus to sit next to me. I don't know what inspired me to think that, but that's what I thought. (laughs) And even now as an adult, I really try to visualize that literally Jesus is at my right hand. He's right next to me. I know his spirit is in me. I know he knows the hairs of my head. I know he knows everything about my life. And he still loves me, warts and all. What a friend. He's seen every stupid thing I've ever done, and he still sticks with me. He's seen every dumb thing you've ever done, and he still loves you and laid down his life for you. Now that is a friend indeed. (laughs) Take your Bibles, please, and go to John chapter 21. There's a great record that really kind of quickly contrasts life with Jesus versus life when we have forgotten about Jesus. (laughs) And this is the third time Jesus showed himself alive to his disciples after his resurrection. And they hadn't seen him for a while. And you know what? They kind of slid back into their old ways, feeling alone and abandoned and grumpy. And so in John chapter 21, and this is the NIV, it says afterward Jesus appeared again. He had in 20, in John 20, has a discussion with his disciples about receiving Holy Spirit. And after these things, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus. What if that's where P. Diddy got his name? One never knows. (laughs) Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, 
the sons of Zebedee. Wow, wouldn't you like that? That's a series for sons of Zebedee. And the two other disciples were together. Verse 3, Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. (laughs) And they said, we'll all go with you. (laughs) Tailgate party, fishing party. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. They didn't go out to make a living. They went out because they were depressed and cast down. Verse 4, early in the morning. early Now they're out there all night fishing out early in the morning. Sun's coming up. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 5, he called out to them, My friends, have you any fish? Nope, they answered. Verse 6, he said, Throw the net on the right side of the boat and you're going to find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, (laughs) It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. That's about a football field. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So, John 21, here, here's the scene. Jesus had appeared to these guys twice, but it hadn't quite sunk in yet that Christ would still be with them through the Holy Spirit, that he was never going to leave them or forsake them. He'd be available to talk to, to get information from, to come to in times of trouble, to come and share your joys with, to laugh with. And Peter and the gang had gotten discouraged saying, what the Sam Hill do we do now that Jesus is gone? Wah, 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 wah. And old Peter, he spits out a plug of red man, and he declares, I'm going to fishing. And you see, these disciples, they were kind of the hunyucks of the day, the Galileans. They were the uneducated mountain boys, no college for them. They were factory workers, trade workers, electricians. You know, they weren't the Ivy League group in the pinstripe suits. And <clears throat> the gang all chimed in, yeah, I'm going to. So they went out, got into the boat with a bad attitude, and that night they caught, surprise, surprise, nothing. They didn't catch nary a fish. And by then the sun was rising over the Sea of Galilee. And let me tell you, having been there, that is one beautiful sight. It just brings tears of joy to your eyes. It's so beautiful on that. That Sea of Galilee is one of the prettiest places on earth. And the sun is coming up and suddenly there's a stranger on the shore. And this, you know, you, your voice kind of echoes from when you're on the little hills across the water. Hey boys, how's your haul? And they said, zip, nada, nothing. <laughs> well, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And as soon as they did, they couldn't even haul it in. There were so many fish. It was abundance, 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 more than enough. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Pete, Holy cow, it's the Lord. (laughs) That's Jesus on the shore. And old impetuous Peter, he just jumped in the water, swam to shore, and the rest took the boat in. And Jesus, how loving is this? He had breakfast waiting for them, cooking on the coals, fish and bread. Well, 
That night they'd caught nothing because they were living by their own wits. No wingman. (laughs) But when they turned their focus to Jesus, bingo. 153 fat, tasty fish ready to be et and a hot breakfast waiting for them on the shore to boot. So I ask you from this simple lesson, which is better, life with Jesus or life without Jesus? I'm going to tell you what, you don't have to have a PhD or wear BVDs or eat Mickey D's to figure that one out. Life with Jesus is more better. (laughs) My dog, Izzy, I love to watch her. She'll go out and sniff around in the grass and find a certain spot and just roll around in it with her back, get it all over, and there's just pure ecstasy on her face. I want that. I want to roll around in Jesus' love and just get it all over me and get it all up inside of me and hug his neck, figuratively speaking. And you know, this is why God gave us an imagination. So that we could have intimacy with our Savior. This person that we've never seen, you know, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen but believe. That's us. I haven't ever physically touched Jesus, but I tell you what, he's more real to me than this chair I'm sitting on. Because this chair is going to come and go. But Jesus is eternal. He's it. (laughs) And when we use our imagination, we can practice his presence. Why not? And why not picture yourself hugging him around the neck and just letting him swing you around the room? I mean, that's what my daddy did when I was a kid. I'd run up in his arms and he'd toss me in the air and I'd hug him like there was no tomorrow. And that's how I love my Jesus. I feel safe and secure and wanted and loved by Jesus. That, my friend, is the heart of a child. I may have the body of an older woman, but I have the heart of a child when it comes to Jesus. And when old Pete and the boys were out there on their own, thinking the Lord had gone from their presence, life was not much fun. They were boo-hooing and they caught nothing. But when Jesus was back in their lives, kapow, they prospered. They were happy. They were excited to be alive. So we not, may not see Jesus in our kitchen, <laughs> but we can sure see him in the eyes of our heart. And we bring him into our daily lives. We hear his voice. We seek his counsel. And we bask in the knowledge that the joy, joy, joy of the Lord is our strength. Isn't that a marvelous You would have thought our strength would be in our wisdom or in our prayers or in how many good deeds we've done. No, it's in living in his joy is when we walk in signs, miracles, and wonders. Living in his joy is when we have his strength behind our strength. Go to John 17, please. And Jesus said, except you become like little children, you won't taste Taste is, is an active experience. I can look at an ice cream all day, you know, back behind the glass when I go in the ice cream store, but until I put it on a cone and I taste it, I don't really know what it feels like. He says, if, you, if you're not like little children, you won't taste the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of light and joy and love. So if we're going to live life with Jesus, 
We do it with a childlike innocence and abandon and trust. I've shared many times how I went to the Passion Play in Rome, Georgia when I was five years old. And I only remember two scenes really vividly. One was Jesus hanging on the cross. I mean, that's obviously a powerful scene. But the one that was really my takeaway was when Jesus was sitting under, you know, like a fake tree on the stage, and he's sitting on like a rock, and these little kids ran up and got to sit on Jesus' lap. And I just thought, wow, wow, wow. I want to do that. I just wanted to feel free to run up and just jump in his lap and hug his neck and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just wanted to be able to hang out with him. And now every person who's born again of God's spirit, we can. Can you? That's just mind-boggling. Jesus is with me right now while I'm doing this teaching. Hopefully inspiring these words. And you know what? I never take that joy, that personal, intimate relationship that God gave us with himself and his son, I never take that for granted for one second. Gosh, I'm thankful for that every single day. In John 17, verse 3, you know, we think about eternal life starting at the resurrection. What we're going to get at the resurrection, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, is a new body. Jesus said eternal life starts now. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life. Is that not what your book says? That's what mine says. Now this is eternal life. That they know, and that's that word gnosko or yada, that sweet, intimate, tender relationship. The only true God that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We're, we're, we're already living the kingdom life in our spirit if we acknowledge it. This is how we have intimacy with the Father and the Son. We simply accept it and acknowledge it. Don't get flustered that you can't, you know, see it, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it. The five senses, you've got the spirit, which is in a sense in a sense, like a sixth sense, where you've got Christ's eyes behind your eyes. You've got Christ's touch behind your touch. You've got Christ's ears behind your ears because it's Christ in you. So in the spirit man, you can have this intimacy with the Father and the Son that just goes beyond anything you ever imagined before you started doing this. What a wonderful life. We have been given, and it's absolutely free to us because it cost him everything. Jesus poured himself out like water into cracked earth. His blood went into the ground so that you and I could freely be given this abundant life through Jesus Christ. Wow. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I mean, life with Jesus means we're living like Jesus. We're, we're, we're emulating his attributes, his characteristics. And can you imagine Jesus going around all day complaining about the corn on his toe or uh, 
something, you know, feeling sad about something that happened 20 years in the past or complaining about, I don't know, the price of beef. I don't know. Look, I can't. (laughs) Yeah, look, I know there were times Jesus was very serious. I mean, he had some serious stuff to say. And we can be too. But his general demeanor I just believe with all my heart was one of total love and light and happiness and joy. I believe he walked through a town and just people came out to the curb to smile just because the vibration he gave off was so happy, so confident, so joyful, so peaceful. So when I picture Jesus, I picture him laughing and smiling and being a joy to be around, not like that angry lightning bolt guy up on the wall in the basilica. (laughs) No, thank you, shorty boy. And and I think we all know that record when, you know, the kids came to sit on Jesus' lap and they were, the disciples rebuked them and he said, you don't even know what you're doing. When the, the disciples were telling the kids to go away, Jesus said, you know, they didn't understand what they were doing. They The disciples did not yet have the joy of the Lord. I mean, that was evident in John 21. I think they got it, got the memo better in John 21. But when they were telling those kids, no, you can't go sit on Jesus' lap. Jesus said, not not cool. This is not cool. He said to them, hey, boys, unless you become like these little kids, you won't enter into the blessings of the kingdom of God, the joy of the Lord. Again, no matter what age you are, it's it's not a childish heart. It's a childlike, not, not childish like a spoiled brat, you know, like you know nothing. It's childlike in that you're innocent. Like I said, when I knew my daddy had his arms around me and nothing could touch me because Papa Joe was there. Matthew 18. Oh, the context here is, uh, (laughs) it's interesting, is now the disciples are bickering, which they were wont to do, about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, who was going to sit on Jesus' right hand and Jesus' left hand. And, you know, they were like a bunch of drunken high school jocks strutting around, you know, who's made the most touchdowns, yada, yada, yada. And they walk up to Jesus with this, you know, prideful attitude saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child over and put him in the midst. And that just kind of blew the, all the air out of their ego balloon, just deflated. (laughs) Matthew 18, 1. Truly, I say unto you, unless you turn... Basically, from your self-sufficient pride, that's when the fishermen caught nothing, and become like children, trusting, loving, tender. You'll never enter the kingdom of God or the ways of heaven. You know, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever receives one such, as, one such child in my name receives me. Well, there's a special command there to be really extra good to literal children on this earth, on this earth. In my opinion, anyone that's mean to a child should be horsewhipped. <laughs> really. Jesus himself said, if anybody would harm a little child, it would be better for them if a millstone was hanged around their neck and they were cast into the sea. Boy, there's a lesson on love right there. I'm don't want to get off track here, but I'm very involved in stop the stopping of 
child sex trafficking in the world. And boy, I tell you, there's a special place in hell for those people that are involved in that. Anyway, that's the opposite of what we're talking about here today because, you know, Jesus is talking about having a loving, tender, childlike, trusting heart. And when you think of that statement in its context, you know, really we're all children of God no matter what age we are. But those who have bowed the knee to Jesus and love him with a pure heart, that's the ticket. That's what it takes to be childlike. He's Lord and you're not. He's Lord and you're not. He knows more than you know. His ways are higher than your ways. And at 90, 95, you're still a little child to God. My point is we're supposed to be kind and loving to everyone, but especially to our brothers and sisters who love Jesus. You know, take it up a notch. The bottom line is our gracious, happy Savior wants to bless and invigorate everybody's life in ways you have to experience to believe. But again, it's everybody's choice. How much Jesus do you want in your life? Revelation chapter 3 says he stands at the door and knocks, but the doorknob is on the inside of our heart. So as wide as we want to open the door, as often as we want to open the door, that's how much Jesus you'll get. If you want a spoonful of Jesus, you'll get a spoonful. If you want a barrel full, you'll get a barrel full. If you want your life filled, he'll fill her up, buttercup. <laughs> but the choice is always ours. We can live life with Jesus or without Jesus. Life with Jesus is way better. The thing is, my friends, with Jesus, the sky is not the limit. The power that created the entire universe is the limit. Supernatural ability is the limit. With Jesus, there really are no limits. But the love that pours out from the windows of heaven, that's ours to enjoy. Just stand in the flow like standing under a waterfall. And you know something? The more you just look at Jesus... The more you think about Jesus and the more less you think about you and your problems and your sore toe and blah, 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 the more the Lord just pours blessings into your life without even asking. It's just, where's your focus? God's love is so deep, there is not one iota of doubt that you are loved, you are wanted, and you are the apple of God's eye. Wow. And when we fully embrace the Father and His Son, life with Jesus and how big His love is for you, your life changes and grows from glory to glory to glory. Even when you have hard times, you will see that they miraculously get remedied way better than you ever dreamed God could take care of you in that situation. Like I said, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanking God for all our many, many, many blessings. And of all the things I'm so thankful for on this earth today, nothing compares to the utter joy I experience on a daily basis living life with Jesus. He is my Lord 
He is my savior. He is my best friend. He is my confidant. He's my song in the night and my joy in the morning. He is my peace in the midst of the storms of life. I'll be honest. I want the whole world to know the joy that awaits them when they fall in love with my Jesus, the man from Galilee who loves you so dearly. We can have life with Jesus or life without Jesus. Life with Jesus is way more better. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ to us, that you so love the world you gave the greatest gift, that whosoever believes in him, what a simple invitation, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And we don't have to wait for everlasting life. It begins today, right here, right now, as we experience as much as humanly possible, open the door of our heart, life with Jesus, life with Jesus. And we are filled with his love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, faith. All these gifts that you bestowed upon us freely. And all we have to do is reach out and take it with thanksgiving. In the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.